Welcome to Inside New Mexico. I'm Derek Underhill with former congressman of the 2nd Congressional District of New Mexico, now our chairman of the Republican Party of New Mexico, Steve Pierce. How are you, sir? Doing great. Uh, We are back in New Mexico this week and uh, looking forward to a lot of things happening, but uh, it's always good to be in the home state. We've got a lot of things to talk about in this program, and uh, we're going to start with some of the issues today from a conservative Republican standpoint. But we're all friends, and you mentioned uh, last week that, uh, for instance, you know the uh, mayor of, I think it was Los Cruces. You don't agree politically, but you're still friends. And uh, we're getting away from that today, and I think that's a shame. We can disagree about some of the issues and still be friends, and I hope we can get back to that your thoughts on this whole divide that we seem to have in the country? Derek, I think you're hitting on a very important point. You know, Republicans are blamed for most of the divisiveness in politics, but I find that having been in it, having served in it 14 years in Washington, another four years here in New Mexico in the state legislature, and I find that Republicans typically don't engage in that extreme partisanship. On the other hand, and I'm not trying to point fingers, but but a story came out this week that really shows exactly what I'm saying. I've got a good friend, Henry Cuellar, from Texas. He's a Democrat, and he's known for his willingness to work across the aisle. He's down in an area that produces oil, and, of course, uh, we do. He's a border district, and I'm a border district. We were both on the select committee that went to uh, Mexico City and and met with legislators there. We continued our tour on down into Central America into Guatemala, Honduras, El Salvador, and just trying to find solutions to that crisis. And this was four or five years ago. But now then, the progressives, they have a group called the Justice Democrats, have recruited a 26-year-old immigration lawyer, uh, much in the mold of Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, and they're going to primary Henry Cuellar, saying that, uh, that he gets too good a score from the NRA that he has voted with Republicans uh, too much of the time. Now, he says in response that, look, I know my district, I poll it, I know it, and an outside group that thinks they know South Texas politics better than I do are going to find out that he is the one aligned with the district. In other words, his district in South Texas, uh, Laredo and in that area, they're conservative Democrats and they would like his stance with a good score from the NRA. He wants to defund the sanctuary cities, and many Hispanics have family members who are trying to come here legally, and when they see this flood of illegals coming here, then they feel like their family members will never get a chance. He voted to ban federal funding for abortion, so he lines with a lot of the things that that we talk about on this program and a lot of the things that Republicans typically align with. But it's just another example of the the radical element, the socialist element of the Democrat Party taking on conservatives. They're going to do that here in New Mexico. So what they do is if they beat Henry Cuellar, that spokesperson will not be as bipartisan as he has been. I can guarantee it. And so when we see the politics become more stratified, when it's more polarized, then it's because these blue dog Democrats, these conservative Democrats are taken on and they are excised out of their party's elected ranks. Now, that's one example. 
But another example of uh, something going on right now in Congress, Nancy Pelosi, I served with her, know her. We don't agree on one single thing, but also we never stood and fought each other in the aisles either. Everyone there represents about 700,000 people, and you have to recognize that people they represent are different than the ones that I represent. So you figure out how to get along with people you disagree with. But, you know, NAFTA has been something that really put American jobs at risk in favor of Mexico having more jobs. And so the NAFTA agreement has never been one that has really been fair to the U.S. workers. So when Trump got into office, he negotiated the USMCA, that's the U.S.-Mexico-Canada agreement. And now then Nancy Pelosi is refusing to bring that to the floor for a vote. Over 1,000 farm groups and nearly 400 companies, uh, different associations, they've endorsed the USMCA. That's the replacement for NAFTA. It gives American workers a much more even playing field, and yet Nancy Pelosi is going to see that it is not ratified. She understands that if she brings it to the floor, many of her Democrats on the floor are going to have to vote for it. So she holds it back in order to keep Trump from getting any win. This is what they did to George Bush. She, at one point, blocked a trade agreement from coming to the floor, stonewalled it, and and just did not want to have George Bush get a win of any kind. And that was uh, the U.S.-Columbia Free Trade Agreement. She literally changed the rules of the House in order to stop the passage of that bill. House rules, at the point she took over, mandated that they give a trade agreement an up or down. You can vote down, you can reject it. But you got to do it within 60 days of the president sending it to Congress. That's not a Republican president or Democratic president. It's any president who sends it to Congress. The House rules said you got to vote it up or down within 60 days. She simply suspended those rules in order to, to give her the leverage to keep uh, Bush from getting a win on that. And ultimately, when Obama took office, then the trade agreement was passed. So right now, you have the example of Henry Cuellar being targeted, and that's an indication of, of how the polarization increases in the country. But you also have an example of the stonewalling, of the obstructing that is going on in Congress right now to keep Trump from settling some of these trade issues. Trump is working very, very good agreements between China, between North Korea. I will guarantee is going to bring Iran to their knees. Mexico is going to be much better off under this this trade agreement, and yet it's got to go through the House and Nancy Pelosi obstructing because she doesn't want him to, quote, get a win. So just two examples of what you're saying, Derek, that we do need to be working together, and many times Republicans are blamed, and, and I don't see the blame falling totally on Republicans. I see examples of the other side doing exactly what they say that we do. But we've got a great show in store today. Uh, we're going to talk about the Vermont Republican governor who signed this radical abortion bill. We're going to talk about knives in Britain. Oberlin College got their hands slapped really hard by the courts for politicizing issues there. A lot to talk about on today's program, Derek, but appreciate you hosting it as usual. Appreciate Diana Vargas for her help in producing the show. We will return with more of Inside New Mexico right here. Stay tuned. National Guard and Reserve members are true leaders, both in the military and in the workplace. 
They are highly skilled and get the job done every day. Employer support of the Guard and Reserve, ESGR, can help you recruit top-notch service members to your workforce. Hiring Guard and Reserve members is good for your business and good for your community. Visit esgr.mil employers to learn more. We are back on Inside New Mexico with Congressman Steve Pierce, now chairman of our Republican Party of New Mexico. We find in talking to people on the street that uh, Democrats and Republicans may have more in common than our representatives may think we do. And when we talk about representatives in Congress and the Senate tend to be sometimes more radical than the actual Democrat or Republican you talk to. Are you finding that? Yes, I tell you, I got to where I didn't use the words Democrat, Republican very much in speeches. Every time you use it, you align with one group or the other, or you malign one group or the other. So quit using that very early on and started talking about conservatives and liberals. Even then, you get some reaction, and I ended up talking most about values. But one thing was very instructive, Derek, when we talked about conservatives and liberals, people said, well, what's the difference? And I'll tell you, I think that Dennis Prager is the one who put it best, and I heard this 25 years ago. He said that uh, liberals believe in the innate goodness of man, that is, that we're inborn good, and it's simply things around us that are bad. So that's the reason that they would support gun laws, because if, if it weren't for the guns, the individual has innate goodness, and without the guns, they would revert to that innate goodness. Uh, by contrast, conservatives believe that we are all flawed and that we have to fix the flaws. That's one reason that uh, conservatives generally look to religion, look to redemption, look to that ability to find a cure for the flaws that are in us. Therefore, it is not the gun itself. It's an inanimate object. It is the use of the gun. And so right now, that whole focal point is playing out across the world. Uh, in Britain, they're now handing out blunt knives to reduce stabbings. Now, listen to this. They outlawed guns decades ago, and now then they're finding that bad people still are going to do bad things. Now, the liberal would say, well, they're not really bad people. It was their parents. It was the circumstance they grew up in. And conservatives say, no, you should be responsible for your actions. Britain still is not willing to admit that people just do bad things sometimes. So there's trying to cure the problem. If people didn't have guns, they wouldn't commit crimes. Well, that's obviously not true, because now they're committing the same kind of crimes with sharp knives. So Britain is handing out these kind of knives that look like the scissors we had in elementary school, you know, those rounded nose mm-hmm. things. And so bad people are going to continue to find a way to do bad things. When you understand why certain things are problems, then your policies begin to reflect that understanding. When you don't understand it, then your policies will typically be off track. So that's one example. But, you know, many of the conservatives feel under attack from the press right now. They feel like that uh, that the press is totally aligned with the left, and many of our colleges seem to be totally aligned with the left. If you watch closely, uh, universities are supposed to be areas and places where you go to have an exchange of ideas. And yet conservatives many times are limited from even going on campuses. Just this week, that sort of an issue played out in Oberlin College, 
what happened is that a baker there, a local baker that's close to the university, found a kid that was trying to buy wine with a fake ID. They discovered that. Then while they were working with the problem with the fake ID, noticed several bottles of wine that were being hidden in the student's coat. When confronted, the shoplifter tried to make a run for it, get away. The clerk ran after the college kid, tackled him in the street. The bakery uh, pressed charges against the student who pleaded guilty. He says, yes, I'm guilty of it. Well, the next day, riots broke out on Oberlin College, and they were declaring that the baker was racist for not wanting this shoplifter to carry off their product. There was nothing racial about it, but that's what happened. So the protest formed. Oberlin students began to show up and stand and just shout at outside the bakery, holding up signs uh, because of the racial profiling, because the student uh, that was doing the shoplifting was African-American. Also, college professors showed up and helped with the protest. And so that question came up. Can the university take sides in the conservative liberal debate? Can the university take sides? And the jury says, no, you can't take sides. And they said Oberlin College there in Ohio did take sides, and they awarded the baker $33 million in damages. When you are part of a group that feels under attack, when someone on your side is vindicated and even the jury awards them damages, typically we're, we, we see the other side being awarded damages and we think that there's no justice, and the judicial system worked properly here, in my opinion. I do not think that, uh, that people using public money, that is, university money is taxpayer money. I don't think that those employees should be able allowed to use their time and their position to go and urge the boycott of some business that was not guilty of anything except protecting its inventory and protecting its livelihood. So a couple of, of issues that have really come out uh, that that kind of cover this issue of what's the difference between a liberal and conservative. It's just playing out around the world. And and it goes back to the actual bakery. Wouldn't uh, we all agree, I think, that anybody who shoplifts, no matter what their background or color, is a crime, should be treated the same way. I don't know why someone would think that just because you're of one persuasion or another that shoplifting is okay. I think all of us, no matter what party, would agree with that. Yeah, I think that's true. But you know, this this whole issue of too much government intervention and too much finger on the scales of justice, it is playing out right now around the world. In Hong Kong, the, the young people there are demonstrating they dress in black T-shirts, they're pumping their fists in the air as they march through Hong Kong's streets. Over two million people showed up at this last protest. There's only like six or seven million people in the whole island of the nation of Hong Kong. I was in Hong Kong before it transitioned over to the communist Chinese, and you could tell that uh, the communists were going to let it kind of operate for a while, and then they felt like that they could clamp down on it and get rid of the free market system there. Hong Kong was one of the worldwide centers of banking and finance, but now they're finding that this idea of freedom is deeply planted into a group that uh, normally would align with the left, the, the young people around the world typically align more left because the, the Internet is pretty well aligned with the left and they get most of their information there. But here are these high school and university-age students who are flooding the streets and saying no. The, the superficial battle is over an extradition uh, law that was passed 
uh, yet most Chan- most uh, Hong Kong residents are afraid that the government is clamping down already. They see public figures that disappear when they disagree with the, the homeland Chinese policies. They're afraid that they'll be extradited, put into prison camps. And so these massive protests are about liberty and freedom. And there's nothing more conservative than the idea of liberty and freedom from the state, liberty and freedom from any oppressor. That's as conservative an idea as you get. But huge, huge issue playing out. What's liberal, what's conservative playing out worldwide, but uh, right here close to us in the U.S. Yeah, I hope that uh, some of the young people I see that think socialism is a good idea should maybe go visit some of these socialist countries and talk to the people and find out how well it works for them. We will be back in just a moment. You are listening to Inside New Mexico. Stay tuned. More is on the way. Attention, New Mexico veterans. If you were honorably discharged from the U.S. Armed Forces, you've earned state and federal benefits, and the New Mexico Department of Veteran Services is standing by to assist you. State benefits include a veteran's property tax exemption, education and training, and transportation services. We can also assist with claims for federal VA benefits. The state of New Mexico and this radio station thank you for your service. More information at nmveterans.org or 1-866-433-8387. We are back on Inside New Mexico, and we are talking about issues of the day from a conservative viewpoint. In the last legislature, we talked about how many Democrats voted with Republicans opposing the abortion bill in New Mexico. Now there is a Republican governor in Vermont that has sided with Democrats. Tell us about that. Sure. Uh, And Derek, we try to make this show, and it's my general approach anyway, that we try to point out when Democrats, we would agree with them, and when we disagree with Republicans. I was listed at one point as one of the 12 hardest votes in Congress for John Boehner to get. He was the Speaker of the House, and I didn't ever think about it in those terms. I was not a hard vote to get. I told Mr. Speaker that if you get the bill right, I'll vote with you. I'm not going to vote for things that are bad for New Mexico. His response to me was, frankly, you work for me when you're here. And I said, sir, uh, when I'm here, you remember this always, that I work for the people who elected me. But this Vermont legislature passed a radical abortion law. Now, keep in mind, as just a, a yardstick, that you've got to have written permission from parents to get a, a child to have an ibuprofen pill given to them by the school nurse. Now, this bill that was just passed, and the Republican governor, Phil Scott, signed it, and it makes it legal for minors to get an abortion without parental consent. Now, there are health issues involved when people get abortions. The research is now showing that it's life-altering, that there are physical and emotional problems many times for years. So in Vermont, a kid doesn't need parental consent to get this abortion, that you still have to get their consent to get an ibuprofen pill. The argument of the Democrats who passed it was that it's a matter of privacy. They argued that confidentiality is vital to ensuring adolescent uh, access to medical care. This whole article, this whole discussion uh, appeared in townhall.com if you want to look it up and take a, a deeper dive into it. But I think it is my responsibility, I think it is our responsibility to call out people in both parties, we should not only point out uh, just Democrats when they're wrong. We disagreed with Governor Lujan Grisham when she was pushing the, the legislature to pass a very radical abortion bill. So I think that we should also call out 
and, and point out that, that the Republican governor signed this bill in Vermont. So that's what we try to do on this program. You remember back when you were in Congress and we were fighting in uh, Sibylla County. The Forest Service was trying to do an overreach on Mount Taylor. And you were there with all the other Democrat representatives in the community questioning the Forest Service. We were all working together for a common goal and everybody was getting along just fine and uh, we were able to get some things done there. But those are the kind of things I think we're talking about where we all work together for the, the good of the people and uh, sometimes I think some of our representatives are more concerned about getting reelected than they are serving their constituents. Uh, is that something you've seen over the years? Yeah, Derek, your point is well made that that protest against the Forest Service, I was called by leaders in Cibola County. They asked if I would come up there and appear on stage with them. And I said, sure. And they said, no, you know, we're all elected Democrats. I said, that doesn't matter to me at all. I said, we are on a common mission. That is to keep the Forest Service from shutting down the economy in your town and in your county. I said, that's what we're up to. And so I said, sure, I'll come in. And because we were so bipartisan there, we succeeded in stopping the Forest Service at that point. Now, I suspect that they're on the move again because now there's a Democrat representing the 2nd District of New Mexico, and I doubt that she would side with those Democrats there in Savola County to protect the economy. But that's exactly what we're talking about. Now, on one last thing, we got to close out this program. Many people have been asking me, am I in favor of Trump giving us taxes? And, and it has become a big issue. Trump keeps saying, look, I have given what is required, and I feel the same way. When you run for public office, you have to turn over a tremendous amount of private information. My wife and I are quiet people. We, we live a, a quiet, peaceful life. Uh, and our, our matters are pretty private to us. We don't boast about it. Our faith tells us that we shouldn't be boasting and shouldn't be shining a light on ourselves. So we've always been pretty private in our giving and everything. So when this discussion comes up about uh, the Democrats wanting to look at Trump's tax records, keep in mind what they really want is a team of lawyers to go through and parse every single thing. Uh, Trump doesn't fill out his own taxes. But that would never be mentioned when the, the lawyers find this little piece or that little piece and a tax return that is out of place. Now, our finances were somewhat complex, nothing on the nature of Trump's. But still, our tax return was two to 300 pages long every time we did it. We had an accounting firm that filled those taxes out for us. And when they sent them in, we couldn't verify. They're the ones who know the tax law. We looked at the, the entry points and the exit points, the taxes due, and we made sure that the taxes were paid and that uh, that we were following the law. But many of the, the nuances of the tax law we did not understand fully. That's the reason we hire a professional. Well, Trump is going to be in the same way. So if his accountant, if his tax lawyers made some mistake, Trump would be carried and, and like uh, tarred and feathered over it. So I agree with him that he has disclosed what is required by law, and this desire for an investigation is simply nothing more than one more attempt to really point out that what the Democrats want to change the discussion for the coming election. They don't want it to be about the economy because they can see the poll numbers for Trump on the economy are very strong. Now, they're very strong with minority populations. 
and so they want to change the discussion as much as possible. Uh, just this last week, the DOJ, the Department of Justice, supported the Treasury Department in refusing to release the Trump returns. So you had Secretary Mnuchin, who I know well, I served on the Financial Services Committee, so we worked with the Secretary of Treasury. He's the one who initially said that, uh, no, there's no reason to release those returns. And now the DOJ and their lawyers have sided in saying there is no responsibility, no authority by which the Democrats are, are calling for that release of the records. So, Derek, that uh, wraps up another great program. Uh, during this last week, Republicans around the state and even some of the Patriot groups held Trump re-election rally watch parties on the 18th of June. Uh, Trump made his official announcement. He and Mike Pence, and again, I've met them both, worked closely with Mike Pence when he was in the Congress, and I was there with him. So that was occurred during the last week. Now, for those people who want to become involved, take a look at our webpage, NewMexico.gop. On social media, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, just at NewMexicoGOP, spell out New Mexico. To get involved, you can call our headquarters at 505-298-3662. Derek, great program today. Appreciate everything and appreciate our local stations running these programs. Well, Chairman Pierce, we appreciate you taking the time every week to put this program together and let us know what's going on inside our state and around the country from a New Mexico conservative viewpoint. And we will look forward to seeing you and our listeners again next week right here on Inside New Mexico.